0: If you've got an insurance question, you could talk to a dentist, but instead of filling you in on ways to save on your policies, he'd probably be too busy filling in that loose crown. Or you could talk to your local GEICO agent who will use their expertise to polish up your policies from home and auto to renters, motorcycle, boat, and RV too. So while, yes, your dentist can save your smile, your GEICO agent could save you money, which will make you use that smile a whole lot more. To find a GEICO agent near you, visit geico.com local.
1: I think this book, The Lectionary, weighs about maybe eight pounds, maybe a little more. But the readings today weigh an enormous amount. The readings today are heavy with a message that we may, if we casually read and listen to them, just pass us by. Heavy are the words of God. And again, let me preface this by reminding us that what's read in here is the Word of God. What we proclaim in here is the Word of God, passed on to us for 2,000 years. And each time we read the Word of God, we have the opportunity to be further enlightened, for the Word to speak to us individually and as a community of faith. I think that happens very clearly today. You know the old story, Adam and Eve. Adam is hiding. God comes. This is an anthropomorphic vision, version of the Genesis story. There are two Genesis stories about creation. This is one of them. And the reason there's more than one is because when the scriptures were written, different authors got together and gave, gave the, what the traditions were as they believed it, passed on to them. So Adam says, I got to go hide. God is coming. Well, first of all, God says, hey, who told you you were naked? I didn't create you to think of your, your genitals. I didn't create you to think of your nakedness. What are you hiding from? Did you do something you weren't supposed to do? And basically, he says, who told you you were naked did you eat of the forbidden fruit and then what does he do what many people do he she it anything but take responsibility she made me do it the woman blame so you have guilt you have shame you have blame and believe me we're not talking about adam and eve we're talking about us Get get it straight. Don't say, oh, Adam was this way and Eve was that way. Go like this. We're talking about ourselves today. The scriptures are God's word to us to get into our heart and our psyche, to get into our, our faith so we live it each day. And of course, God condemns the serpent in the story because the serpent is the one who tempted the woman. But again, responsibility is lacking because the woman says, oh, the serpent made me do it. I always think of Flip Wilson. Whip Wilson was a comedian from Jersey City, my roots. And he, he did this, this shtick on this particular piece of scripture. And he said, when, when Adam and Eve, and Eve and God rolled together, Eve made it very clear, the devil made me do it. I don't take responsibility for my sins. The devil made me do it. And you know, as well as I do, the devil is strong. Yes, I, I'll give credit there. And negative, yes, very powerful. But we have responsibility. We have conscience. We have an informed conscience. We have the word of God. We have our faith. We have our scriptures. We have to take responsibility for our actions. And we can't go like this. He, she, it made me do it. He, she, it made me stick the needle in my arm. He, she, it put the drink down my throat. He, she, it. We're talking about responsibility here. Very, very grave responsibility. And, of course, God tells the Satan, the, the, the image of Satan, the word Satan means block, you know, it's like blocking you from God. He, he gives this, the serpent a condemnation to crawl on his belly all of his life and eat dirt. Well, and that's the answer to why nobody likes serpents and nobody likes snakes. But this is the biblical rendition of it. Then we go to the beautiful scriptures of Paul's letters to the Corinthians. So optimistic, and we should take this scripture home, chapter four, 13 to, 50, to five, excuse me, 13 to, to um, four, 13 to five, one lines, and realize that these scriptures are being written to us for the sake of optimism, for the sake of getting through, for the sake of, knowing that God is with us. And that changes, it should change things in our lives, that God is always with us, and he wants us to realize that we have bodies that are tents, he uses the metaphor, but our destiny is to build up ourselves into the the building, metaphor, of the body of Christ, because we're destined not to live in these tents, And and it's funny, the the word tent is also the word used for chasuble. That's what this is. This vestment is a chasuble because it goes over the priest's head like a tent. So Paul is telling us 2,000 years ago, but this morning he's telling us, realize that this is a transitory body you have, and things go on in this body, and and we don't have to be stuck there. We can always realize that God is with us, and he's calling us to greater life, eternal life, as a matter of fact. We'll go back to that, but now we go to Jesus. In Italian, they say, E' fuori sui. He's out of his mind. His family. Jesus is being spoken about today in Mark's gospel, and his family went to get him, to bring him home, to bring him someplace safe, Because they, the family, relatives, paisans from his own little town, said he's out of his mind. He's crazy. Even the the scribes and the Pharisees, he's possessed. He can't be doing this by his own power. He's possessed. The devil's got it inside of him. See again, not giving credit where credit is due, but blaming not understanding, so we blame, we tag, we stigmatize. They're talking about your and my brother, Jesus, and they're saying Jesus is nuts. And now we open this book and we realize the weight of it is on our shoulders as a society. One in five people in our nation suffers mental illness. Jesus was accused of having a mental illness. You know, we know the whole story. We know his destiny. We know his actions. We know his total giving to his father and his love and, for, and respect for his, his neighbors and society at large. We know all that. We know the whole story. And we know he resurrected from the worst thing that could happen to any body until him, death. And what he promises us as a result of his resurrection is eternal life, meaning, now let's get back to mental illness. And I speak not only to the families but those of us who carry mental illness. And there's a book that we use in psychology and in counseling. It's called the DSM, Diagnostic Statistic Manual. And that has every kind of mental and emotional illness that the American Association of Psychiatrists and Medicine has come up with. And there's various. There's OCD. There's bipolar. There's straightforward depression. There's anxiety. There, the list goes on and on. And I'm speaking to all of us who've been affiliated, associated, or close to, or ourselves experience mental illness. Because Jesus, there's no accident in the scriptures. Jesus was cu- accused of being mentally ill. So you and I today can open up the book and realize: Wait a minute! This book is talking to me about my family, maybe about my neighbors, maybe about the elderly, maybe about the, the, the teenage going through his or her anxiety, maybe about the insecurity of society, maybe about the accomplishments and, and false um, ideas that there's, there's a uh, like, like a false bravado, people who have succeeded, sometimes have about themselves, and they realize, I'm going to be discovered. I, I, they don't, people don't really know what I'm like inside. They only know my name. They only know the headlines. Every aspect of mental illness, emotional and behavioral mental illness, is covered today in scriptures. For us to look at it, for us to realize that there are, there's no stigma Associated with mental illness. The person giving the stigma suffers more mental illness than the person who is identified as having the illness. So we as a society look back to Paul and we see that he's encouraging us because of Jesus, who was raised to the presence of the God of of all, all life, that all of us should not waste our time and waste away being discouraged in this life because we have a promise, the promise of eternal life. And let's be practical about that promise. It's determined on how we live this life. And with the number of people suffering suffering emotional mental illness in our society, the person could be right next to us, it could be us, it could be our relatives, it could be people we work with. And we're not gonna catch it. The problem with mental illness is you don't see it. Sometimes we see the, the behavior that follows it. Whether, again, as I mentioned, OCD or, or the manic episodes. And we don't know how to, the outside person sometimes doesn't know how to deal with it. I hope I have a little inclination based on the fact that I am a family therapist, and I do have a degree, and do have all that background stuff, based on all of that, I hope I have a little bit of insight as to how I deal with my patients when they come to me. But we're all not meant to be psychologists or MDs or psychiatrists. We're meant to be people, we're all meant in this church to be Christians who live up to our dignity as made, go back to Genesis, in the image and likeness of God. And we don't know what that looks like. That's why mental illness doesn't look like anything. It's not a broken leg. It's not a patch over your eye. It's not a broken finger. It's inside. And sometimes the person carrying the illness cannot identify it. Can't put his finger on how it's going on in my head, how reality is seeming to me, how, how I, I'm... I don't fit in how I'm withdrawn and depressed. And these are all, all symptoms and, uh, of mental illness and emotional instability. But it's up to all of us to reach out, to reach out. One in five, I mean, I can estimate how many people in this church right now suffer mental illness. And... <laughs> When I was growing up. I was the poster child for ADD, Attention Deficit Disorder, which has various categories, but I was the poster child. And so I, was go- I, would, I would do everything at once, you know. If I was going to renovate my, my room, this this often happened, my room was in the basement. It wasn't my bedroom, it was my room where I could study and do my art and all that. Well, if I was going to renovate it, every once in a while I get the bug, I want to renovate it, I would start over there, and within an hour, the entire room would be in shambles because I'd do that, then I'd go over here and do that, and there's something over here reminding me of that, and all of a sudden, I would be, ah, in shambles. So, because I had enough time to finish it, took a deep breath, started reorganizing, and before I went upstairs to my home, everything was piano, piano, nice and slowly put back together, organized. I didn't know I was doing that. I didn't know I was experiencing attention deficit. There are still characteristics of me now that you know of because you see me every week that are like, whoo, out there, right? So so I may be one of your five. I remember so many offerings that we have to give to people to who are not quite leaped into the illness, but anxious and getting there. And we say, and they work, they really work. Journaling, write out your anxiety, write out your thoughts. Medication, psychiatry. Psychiatrists are the ones who, med- who medicate for mental illness. Not your MD, That's, the MD has something, an, another job. Psychiatrists understand the psychotropic drugs and what we need for them. And, and they're not magic pills. Not everybody can take the same pill. Therapist, talk therapy. You'd be able to sit down with someone. And of course, a lot of this, regrettably, is insurance bound. So check with your insurance company. And if there's ever an emergency in your family, you dial 911. So we recommend talk therapy. We re- re- recommend music therapy. We re- definitely, as Christians, the Word of God, prayer, the Psalms, the stories of Jesus, calming us down, getting us to focus. Because sometimes the thoughts are racing inside of our bodies and we need something to calm us down. Music. Now, this is funny. My brother, who's passed, God bless him, was in a care center and he was going through a really bad time. His his body was really, he was losing his body. It was was one thing after another hit. Someone who's never been in the hospital, went into the hospital and never really recovered and it wasn't the hospital's fault it was his body eventually breaking down but <clears throat> across the hall we're in the room he had a private room we hear music guitar music and he says he had a, a mouth a little worse than mine so i'm not going to use all the words he used he says, close the door blank blank door it's, that noise is making me crazy it's music okay I said, no problem, I can close the door, you know, he was, you know, he was a little hyper then. And finally we get a knock on the door, and this very lovely young woman comes in with a guitar, she's, you know, and the name was probably Heather or, or Perfection or, hi, I'm Angel, and I'm a music therapist here, um, I've come to sing you some songs. Oh my goodness, I said to myself. Well, I didn't say anything because he said it very clearly. Get that guitar and get the blank out of here and close the door behind you. Whoa. So not everybody is going to be soothed by music. There's no one, one size fits all. That's why we consult the medical family. We consult our doctor. We consult Uh, As a reference, sometimes you need an MD, your physical, your uh, family doctor to refer you to uh, a, a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a family therapist. There are so many options that we have. This is not one of them pointing to the person who is ill. That's not one of them. This is one of them reaching out to the person who is going through even if he or she has not yet identified that they're going through a stressful, experiential moment of their lives, you know by those you live with that their actions are a little different. Ask what's going on. But be open with your, your questions. Tell me what's going on. Anything you, anyone you want to talk to. You may not want to talk to the spouse or the brother or the sister. Can we set up an appointment? Maybe you go see Dr. So-and-so. What what do you think? Open, non-judgmentally. Seeing what happens, because we don't know what's going on in the person's mind, we judge. You're treating me like this. You're doing this. You don't know what's going on in their minds. And I'm not saying that people who are just nasty always have mental illness. Some people are nasty, and they're just nasty. Let's go back to people with illness. As any of you know, when you have a headache, when you have a footache, you're not the same. We we don't act the same. We don't don't rejoice the same. We don't sing the same. We don't walk the same. We we have a burden. So therefore, those of us who have people in our family, our circle, that seem to be different in their behavior, seem to be isolating, seem to be depressed, ask. Anything I could do. Don't tell them what they're doing. Don't tell them what they're going through. You're acting crazy. You're, you must be bipolar. You're, you're acting like a nut. Mm. Don't do that. Because you and I don't have the right to point to anybody. First person we point to is ourselves. And we do that with the scriptures because the scriptures are telling us you And I, we are precious in the eyes of God. Jesus came to walk this earth so you and I can have an understanding of what it means to have Jesus, God, as our brother and have the Holy Spirit as our inspiration. That's why we're here as a family of faith, to glorify God in and how we treat one another. In a few moments, we'll come up those of you who choose to receive the Eucharist. And you have to say to yourself, maybe I'm out of my mind, or is it faith? When I say yes to a piece of bread, I can be out of my mind saying it's bread, it's nothing else, or I may be blessed with so much faith in my brother Jesus that when I say yes to that body of Christ, I'm united with him, and that gives me courage, and that gives me dignity, and that makes all of us one family in Jesus Christ and God our Father.
0: You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, With the all-new Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the all-new 2022 Nissan Frontier. With standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-foot of torque. Your favorite things feel made for you. Your education should, too.